Welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your host, Kelsey Loisel, and with me today is my best friend, co-host, Mark Salcedo. Hi, everyone. I need you to know something. <laughs> What's that? You should always save pain for daylight. <laughs> now, my... Uh, my, my pain is never saved. It, is, it happens 24 hours. Well, I just need you to know that's a thinly veiled threat. A thinly what? Thinly veiled threat. Oh. Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Earlier before we recorded, you like came at me. I know you're joking, but at that moment, I was like, holy fuck, she's going to hit me. <laughs> <laughs> kind of shows the level of toxic relationships I've been in, in my past. <laughs> yes. I'm glad I can keep that going for oh, you. Thank you. Yeah, keep that fear alive. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at The Real Appeal, two E's and real, and at therealappeal at gmail.com is where you can email us. Mm-hmm. Uh, please review us on iTunes. We would love you forever. I know. You guys aren't doing anything. You're not going out watching movies. Just spend Stop two minutes. scratching your butt and, you yeah. know. And scratch that review. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay (laughs) there you go on our list of segments are the news uh recent review will be shirley geriatric cinematic is the talented mr ripley which came out in 1999 and uh mark what's the topic (laughs) the topic is these psychos are making me thirsty Ah, (laughs) it's a seinfeld joke if y'all don't know what i'm talking about yes (laughs) Um, let's get into the news. All right. So, Mabu, Edgar Wright, he, uh, he got announced, uh, earlier in the week or earlier last week, uh, Universal acquires Adrian, how you say it? McKinty? McKinty, yeah. McKinty's novel, The Chain. Edgar Wright is set to direct along with Jane Goldman writing. Um... The reason why we're talking about Edgar Wright is because he's my boo. If you guys haven't been listening, you know, every single episode, he's my boo. <laughs> just, just pick on a random episode and you'll just hear me falling over it. Uh, okay, so the seven-figure deal <clears throat> uh, so, sorry, was made by Universal, optioned this book called The Chain. Um, it came out in 2019. It was the best, best novel. Best-selling novel, excuse me. It was the best novel. <laughs> yeah, the best novel ever. Okay, so I've never heard about this book at all, <clears throat> but I read the premise, which is pretty interesting. Uh, the story is, um, so the story it tells. So the story is, it, it's about Rachel, who learns that her eleven-year-old daughter has been kidnapped. Okay, but the only way that she can get her daughter back is by kidnapping another child, and her daughter will be released. Is it as it, her daughter will be released if the next victim, their parents, kidnap another child? So it's like a continuous chain of parents kidnapping other parents. Oh wow! Just to get their get the just to get their kid back. And I read that I was like, "Yo, I'm totally into this. Like, this is like some fucked up shit." Yeah. So it's it's it. It, it reminds me of something maybe like Chuck Polnick. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. something kind of dark like that. I mean, he would put like a bit of a. a um, spin like humor spin behind it but i don't know how uh edgar Wright's gonna do it i'm sure he's gonna he's never really done like a really dark thriller or anything like that his oh. his movies always fall into the realm of like comedy yeah in some sense so i wonder i want to see how he's gonna do this and um oh well he's also he also didn't uh 
Last Night in Soho, which hasn't been out yet. Um, is that? But that's supposed to be like dark as fuck too. Mm. So I'm really interested in checking this out. Not just not just because Edgar Wright's directing it, um, but by the fact the, by the premise. And uh, Jane Goldman, see, she did work on Kingsman: The Golden Circle, which I haven't checked out, and X Men: First Class. It's not X Men: First Class wasn't a bad movie. Mm. Um, so I don't know. We'll just see what happens with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in that one too. Very. Uh, Boots Riley. Mm-hmm. He's like the most one of the most interesting people we've ever seen during Q and A. Oh, that's right. We did a Q and A with him. That was actually pretty dope. Yeah. Um, he's gonna do a new series called I'm a Virgo, um, and it stars Jarrell Jerome. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of a new filmmaker. Um, since he came out with Sorry to Bother You in 2018. Yeah, he's only done like a number of like short films, mm-hmm. and that's it. Um, well, besides Sorry to Bother You. Yeah. And that was really good. Um, mm. So he announced his follow-up, I'm a Virgo. Um, it's a series about a 13-foot-tall black man living in Oakland. Um, and so he posted online, I have a show about a 13-foot-tall black man who lives in Oakland. It's called I'm a Virgo. Gerald Jerome is playing the lead. And I'm doing this with Michael Ellenberg's Media Res. We haven't decided on the network slash streamer. It'll be dark, absurd, hilarious, and important. Yeah, his style is very... It reminds me a lot of Drew Goddard. Um, either Drew Goddard or Michael Gorday. I always get those two mixed up. Like um, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So and like yeah, sorry, sorry to bother. Was like really weird and wonky and kind of like surreal and shit like that. So, but it had a good message. Yeah, it had a great message on it. I honestly think that um, this will probably end up like on FX or something like that. Yeah, because FX has been doing some really cool, like intense, kind of wacky, colorful shit. Like for example, uh, Legion. Yeah. Even though the show wasn't critically acclaimed, it like visual style was like fucking amazing. Exactly. Um, so, along with that description, he revealed uh, teaser artwork for the series, mm-hmm. um, created by Colin Laurel, who is a black trans artist. Oh, okay, right on. Um, even though they don't have a network or streamer, uh, streaming distributor, um, it's um pretty sure to be picked up pretty quickly yeah um and so uh since sorry to bother you is kind of you know out there absurd and dark and hilarious and important Mm. um yeah probably just gonna be you know similar style to that Yeah, within like his wheelhouse or something like that yeah yeah that's cool i'm totally for that all right so a bit of sad news that happened this morning um Joe Schumacher died. I don't know why I said that while I'm laughing. <laughs> Joe Schumacher died. <laughs> That's so wrong. Yeah, the director behind. I mean, his his. his when you hear Joe Schumacher, people go Batman and Robin, which is I will admit, pure garbage film. <laughs> pure garbage. However, I mean, come on, the dude made. He made uh, Saint Elmo's Fire, Lost Boys, The Flatliners, which is really good. Falling Down. Which, Falling Down was a movie where being angry and white was cool back then. Mm. Now it's just like, nah. Um, he had died. He had, oh, wow, I didn't know that. He had a long year, a year-long battle with cancer. He was 80 years old. Um, 
yeah, he worked with like Val Kilmer, Tommy Lee Jones, of course, through the Batman movies, which got about three hundred billion dollars. That was the that was Batman Forever, which I actually kind of like that movie. A lot of people give that movie shit, mm-hmm. but I thought Val Kilmer was actually a decent Batman. Um, he made this really really dark movie called Eight Millimeter, with uh, that starred Nicolas Cage. I love that movie. Do you? Re- <laughs> Yeah. The fact that you said you love that movie kind of makes me scared of you even more. Well, let's see. <laughs> Let me give you a little background, okay? Okay, okay. My mom was a huge Nicolas Cage fan back in the day, mm. like since Face Off and all of that. Yeah. And he came out with 8mm, and we actually had it on on video cassette. Okay. <laughs> so I was what? Like in my early teens watching this movie, but I fucking loved and it. And that hard R movie about like <laughs> snuff and getting murdered and yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> if y'all don't hear from me y'all know what happened <laughs> kelsey put me in stuff yeah that's a that's a really that is a i won't say it's a really good movie but it's it's a serious like head spin that this dude made batman and robin mm-hmm. his last movie like was i think it was batman and robin before eight millimeter and batman and robin is like if you really go into like the history of it it's it's essentially a giant marketing movie they made that movie to sell toys and to sell products. And, um, yeah, he did that movie. And then out of nowhere, he did 8mm. He's like, fuck that. I'm making something super dark. Yeah. So he did that. And he did this movie. It was like Jim Carrey's first like serious like dark acting role. It was like the number 23. Mm-hmm. Which, it, the premise was kind of out there. But I heard, yeah, I heard a lot of people didn't like that movie. And I did try watching it, I think, too. But I mm. didn't like that one that one see that movie i didn't mind i thought it was pretty interesting because like it was jim carrey like trying to go somewhere else mm-hmm. um so i didn't mind it too much it's it's actually kind of forgettable i wouldn't mind kind of revisiting it now just to see if it still holds up but yeah he had a talent he had a talent for kind of jumping here and there i didn't know this apparently he wrote car wash what's that car wash is this film from like the mid to late 70s it is a very, very black film. Really? You just follow these people in the day in their life and working at a car wash. Like hmm. Richard Pryor's in it. George Carlin's in it. Um, they talk about like black nationalism and all that kind of stuff. And then like Soul Brother and everything. And this dude wrote Car Wash. I was like, what? <laughs> like I found that out like today. <laughs> but it, it's, it's like Car Wash is like funny. It's not like laugh out loud funny, but it's like it's a classic like in the black community. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Val, yeah. So, yeah, Joel Schumacher died. Now it's like, damn. I heard his last movie he did called Trespass. I heard it was like pure garbage. Really? Yeah, and that starred Nicolas Cage and Nicole Kidman and Michael Bendelson. Bendelson was in it too. These are like two two uh, Oscar-winning actors and then one nominated Oscar. Wow. Uh, yeah, but okay. we've kind of been seeing a trend lately where like these actors mm. that are huge, like sign on and do this movie and it flops yeah and i don't understand true. that like that didn't used to be a thing yeah well that, I, that, I don't say that i don't say that wasn't a thing that always has been a thing because you can always turn a really good script into a shitty ass movie you know um yeah but usually when you throw a bunch of really great actors yeah, that's together true, yeah. it's not a flop it might be like a good movie but not uh, like the best movie yeah but um, you might have like a flop here or there, but it seems like lately it's been more missed than hit when you do something like that. That's true. There was this movie that Matthew McConaughey did with, I think, Anne Hathaway. I think it was Anne Hathaway. Um, the 
premise sounded interesting, but it was pure shit. It's called Serenity. And I heard, I, I haven't seen it. Yes, yeah, it's, yeah, it's Anne Hathaway. It's Stephen Knight. Um, okay, so this movie called uh, Serenity has Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Diane Lang, Jason Clark, Jeremy Strong, like a lot of good actors. It has, um, what's his name? Uh, Dijmono, Dijmon Hasuna. Um, he's the one who played, uh, I forgot what his character is, and Guardians of the Galaxy. But the, the premise was interesting. But, like, from what I heard, the movie was just trash. And, like, the ending, it's like, oh, really, like, what the fuck kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but that's the case. Like, you know, Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. I think, I know Matthew McConaughey won an Oscar. I think Anne Hathaway has an Oscar, too. But that's the case of, like, this movie's pure garbage. <laughs> but, yeah, it happens. Kind of. I think Matthew McConaughey is kind of hit or miss anyway. Really? I think he is. You think the, what's it called? M- reconnaissance is gone? Uh, you ever heard that term? No, I haven't. But I don't know if it is or not. I mean, he's usually pretty good. But then we did that one review with him, and the movie itself was oh, the gentleman. Yeah, yeah, that was that was all right. Um, yeah, it was kind of it felt kind of branded, like yeah. I mean, it was a Guy Ritchie film, and it was just like, all right, this is a Guy Ritchie film. We're watching this. Yeah. So yeah, um, I don't know. R I P. Um, Joe Schumacher. Yes. Um, speaking of Batman, uh, Michael Keaton is in talks to play Bruce Wayne in the Flash movie. This, this, I was I was talking to uh, one of our, um, I was talking to a former employer of ours about this, and it was weird how Joe Schumacher died, and then, boom, more Batman news. Michael Keaton's coming back, <laughs> or supposedly coming back. But go on, go. On. Um, so it's been almost 30 years, and he is in talks to appear alongside Ezra Miller in Warner Bros. upcoming movie, The Flash. Uh, the rap learned exclusively. Um, they're in the very early stages, and, you know, it still might not happen. Yeah, they're in the discussion phase. Um, and they don't have any details on, like, the size of his role. Mm-hmm. Um, the plot would introduce general audiences to, you know, like the multiverse and, um, mm. you know, like the key points of the DC comics. Yeah. Um, so. So, yes, what? <laughs> um, I guess they're the upcoming, the Batman's not going to really be connected to it. So it's mm. like completely, completely different. Yeah, on its own. Um, and then it chapter two director Andre Machete um, is set to direct the Flash movie, and um, from the latest draft of the script um, from the Birds of Prey, Christina Hodson, mm. um, Barbara Machete, and Michael Disco are producing. Hmm. Andre's wife's producing it. Okay. And then um, the Flash yeah. is trying to come out quarter one of twenty twenty one. Oh, the production. Yeah, yeah the production is supposed to start then um, because of COVID-19 yeah. protocols yeah. and the actors not being able to like act together. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm pretty stoked about this. One reason why is because Michael Keaton is my favorite Batman. Um, I don't know. He's just such a badass Batman. Like, well, okay, I take that back. All right. I don't... Uh, e- okay, I think each Batman 
each actor who's played Batman, they fit that role perfectly. Um, like Christian Bale did an excellent like young Batman. Because they make it their own. They're not trying to be yeah. each other. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Even George Clooney. George Clooney did like a really great Bruce Wayne. He mm-hmm. is a great Bruce Wayne. Horrible Batman. Great <laughs> Bruce Wayne. Val Kilmer is a more, you know, seasoned Batman a little mm-hmm. bit. You can tell he's he, you can tell he would play mind games pretty easily, which is Batman. Yeah. Um I don't know how Robert Pattinson's Pattinson's going to hold up. I think he's going to do great. I feel like Adam I, I even love Adam West. Adam West is perfect Batman for like the 70s. It's just like cra- crazy <laughs> like, psychedelic. You know, yeah, like party time all the time. Yeah. I mean, however, the Batman always hear in my head whenever I he- hear him th- um speaking, Kevin Conroy. Mm-hmm. Like forever and ever, it doesn't matter. Um they the CW did do something like this. Um during like it was called like Christ, the crisis on infinite earth mm-hmm. uh, storyline where the flash is going through all like these multi the multi universes and he goes into a universe where kevin conroy the voice of batman is actually batman mm-hmm. but he's like in kingdom come batman where he's like old and jacked up he has to wear like a back brace and everything like that so that was pretty cool i feel a lot of people thought that this might have been possible that michael keaton might do this for the cw but it never happened so the fact that like Michael Keaton might be doing this, I think that's pretty badass. Um, I think it is. It just sucks that it's with Ezra Miller in these uh, fucking DC movies that don't go anywhere. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, now they kind of got a path going, and I, the fact that um, the latest script is written by Christina Hudson, who did um, Birds of Prey, mm-hmm. and I remember we both really liked that movie. Yeah, this might be a good way, and I know this movie's been in like production for like shit like five or six years now mm-hmm. um i don't like Ezra, Ezra miller's flash i don't like his flash i don't like him as a person and he's like garbage yeah he in all respects um i can't wait to show you that justice league movie <laughs> i can't wait to show you that movie it's so bad why do you hate you know what you got to this watch this why uh-huh. i take pleasure in terrifying you Okay, yeah, you take pleasure in terrifying me. I take pleasure in punishing you by watching really bad movies. Yeah, so you like, deserve it. Like, this is how bad Ezra Miller's Flash is. He can't even run correctly. He runs like he's skiing. It's it, ugh, ugh, it's horrible. It's horrible. And he's not a... He doesn't have the Barry Allen essence. Like, this is going to sound stupid and corny or whatever, but so far the best Barry Allen is... Well, I wouldn't say the old school Flash, but right now the best Barry Allen is the one from the CW. He actually well, he's has the only Barry Allen other well, than Ezra Miller. No, no, there, there was a Flash TV show in like in the early nineties. Yeah, but you said right now. Well, yeah, right now. Um, oh no, I take that back. I take that back. Uh, the guy who used to do the voice of Flash in the Batman did animate DC movies. He's a really great uh, Flash. Mm-hmm. He's the, he's the guy who played Lex Luthor. In fucking Smallville. Really? Yeah, he's a really great Flash. Like, I don't know, he, he has, like, the snarkiness and, like, the charismatic attitude and everything, but, mm-hmm. like, not too much of, like, a, of a asshole, like, I don't know, uh, uh, not John Smith, um, Green Lantern. His name is Hal Jordan. There you go. Um, so, I, I'm so, I, I would love to see Michael Keaton back as Batman. One fan casting of this whole Batman thing is people would love to see Michael Keaton play an aging uh, Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. for like a Batman Beyond movie. He's like the perfect age to play an old Batman. Yeah. But we'll probably never get that. Like Yay. ever. Um, 
Yeah, but we'll see what happens. Like I said, like Kelsey said, they're just in the talks. Yeah. So maybe they'll like do something great, and like I don't have a whole ton of hope, but it's mm. there because they decided to do something like this and at least talk about it. Yeah. You know, there's always the possibility they go somewhere. Yeah, from like, my from my understanding, this whole Flash movie is essentially is essentially going to be the Flashpoint paradox, which. Um, when DC reboot DC Comics rebooted their DC lineup, they did a circle Flashpoint paradox where the Flash changed everything, mm-hmm. and we had like the New Fifty Two, a new Batman, a new Superman, like a like a a re origin story for all the characters. Mm. So now they're taking it to this different direction where we're getting a new Batman. Um, there's a soccer, uh, soccer. Aquaman movie. Second Bapa movie. I know. I combined <laughs> second and Aquaman together. Uh, second Aquaman movie in the works. I don't know how they're going to explain Wonder Woman 1984 because it takes place before Justice League. Uh-huh. Oh, no, it takes place before Batman versus Superman. So I don't know what, what the fuck they're doing with that. They might just try to keep it separate now. I think they are because they don't want to lose her, but they're already kind of disbanded. Yeah, yeah. The whole Justice League thing. Yeah, so if 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 they are going to do that, like I said, this, is a, this Flash movie is a great jumping off point to like, hey, let's just reboot everything again mm-hmm. and then try it but we'll see what happens dc so <laughs> all right um and with that fart noise that mark made <laughs> uh let's get into our recent review of shirley to our suffering my dear there's not enough scotch in the world for that <laughs> shirley what are you writing now a little novella i'm calling none of your goddamn business <laughs> Well, you were invited to stay here for a few days until we can find a place. Shirley has these bouts. She's gone sick in the head. I read your story. What are you doing in here? It made me feel thrillingly horrible. Do you know what it's like to have a secret? What are you up to? That girl. What do you think? Trite and a bit trashy, but uh, give it a go. I like you, Rosie. Can I trust you? I feel like we're in the Scottish play. On the verge of madness. What will happen? Consider secret looks. Freud would have had a field day. I'm counting down from three. Three, two, one. The synopsis is a famous horror writer finds inspiration for her next book after she and her husband take in a young couple. Directed by Josephine Decker, who did... You should read that title. I want you to read it. Thou was mild and lovely. <laughs> did, I, did, I, did I sell the essentialness of it? Yes. Essentialness. Sensualness. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) All right, go on. I'm sorry. Um, Madeline's Madeline, also in 2018. Mm. Uh, Written by Sarah Gubbins, who did I Love Dick (laughs) and Better Things. Stars Elizabeth Moss, Odessa Young, Michael Stolbarg, Logan Lerman, and Victoria Petretti. Um, (laughs) Everyone can hear you talking to yourself. I know, right? (laughs) Hello. My name is Mark. I'm beautiful. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I say that often. <laughs> I'm beautiful. I'm in the bathroom. I'm beautiful. 
Get All it, right. Get dental work done. I'm beautiful. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, go on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. All right. Um, what did you think of the movie? <sighs> you sound uh, conflicted. I'm surprised okay. no, at you. No, 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 no. Okay. When I saw the trailer for this movie, I was like, I don't know how to feel about this. I, it looked because I, I like a, I love a good psychological thriller or psychological drama, like something that really fucks with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just like, okay, this could go very good or very bad. Okay. And <clears throat> when we started watching it, um, I was really stuck on it. Not like stuck on stupid, but like there's a couple parts that kind of confuse me, like time timeline wise and everything. Uh, um, like not the pacing, but just how like things were kind of playing out. I was like, okay, wait, who's this? Is are this the same person? This is my thing. Or several white people just look the same to me. Mm-hmm. Which I got, I got pretty confused about. Don't worry, it's me too. <laughs> I do that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, but like in the end, I I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed the discussion we had about it, mm-hmm. which I hope we can kind of like replicate replicate that here. Um, uh, the performances, top notch, especially Elizabeth Moss. But Elizabeth Moss has always been so good. She's fucking phenomenal. There's no lie. There was a split second. Not even split second. There was a couple minutes where I was like, holy shit, I forgot that's Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, like, yeah. It blew my fucking mind how good she was on it. Um, the uh, Odessa Young, her character was annoying me for a bit. Because she was so, I can't even say he's, she was so easily pushed, or like she was easily pushed around. Like her husband was kind of bossing her around. Um, the husband Stanley, who played by uh, Michael Stuhlbarg, he was kind of like creeping on her, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I it, it, she was very just like like fragile in a way. Yeah, and that was kind of bothering me at the beginning, but as a as the movie started progressing, I start seeing the point of it. So how uh, I was seeing the point of her being fragile, so she could be easily manipulated by Elizabeth Moss' character, mm-hmm. which started making me appreciate it even more and more. Um, uh, I I can't really think of anything I don't like about it, other than being confused by who's yeah, who. Yeah, that, that was just the only thing. But that's like a minor thing, mm-hmm. you know. It, it didn't take away a whole lot because, like I said, it just took me like an extra couple of minutes to be like, wait, why are we jumping to this girl? Is that the same girl? You know, like, this is my issue. But after, after, after it all, I was just like, yo, I totally dig this movie. It, it was a, I think you picked this that for, so we can review. And it was like a great choice to watch this. Um, yeah, you showed it to me and I was like, I want to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I honestly will follow Elizabeth Moss anywhere. Mm, okay. I absolutely hate the fact that she's in Scientology, but <laughs> okay. But as an actress, yeah, I am one thousand percent behind her. Especially after Invisible Man was a much better movie than I expected it to yeah, be. Yeah, absolutely. And I yeah. really think it was because of her. Okay. Um. So, I really like the direction of this movie because they do, like you said, make um, Rose Nemser, who was played by Odessa Young. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> They made her um, really fragile and weak and all of that. Okay. Um, but I really like where she went. Okay. Um, because she kind of reminds me of me in a way. Oh, yeah. There, no lie. Seeing her, I was like, is that Kelsey? Oh, shit. <laughs> um, 
and I think it's in the trailer where she's like dropping eggs onto the floor. Okay, so that part that was Elizabeth Moss dropping eggs, right? No. Oh, see, I kept thinking it was her. See, mm-hmm. okay, okay, all right, all right. And so it kind of, for me, it really speaks to how people change when they're in certain situations. Yeah. Um, I liked the colors mm. of the film. If we're going to talk about cinematography, oh yeah, that cinematography is fucking awesome. Especially there's like a, uh, I think I think it's their house where there's a lot of greenery on the outside. Mm-hmm. That shit, a lot of shots was very beautiful. Yeah. Um, so it's nice and pretty on the outside, but like inside it's kind of like your typical turn of the century, like farmhouse. Mm. Um, it was kind of chaotic, like the, the way how the house was set up. It's chaotic. It's kind of cluttered. Yeah. Um, but then also, um, there was like a warmth in the colors. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me like my favorite time of day is when the sun is starting to go down because, Mm. it's not quite sunset yet and you can still see the sun yeah but it turns everything golden oh yeah yeah yeah. i I totally understand what you're saying yeah um it just felt like that most of the film Mm. um and um there's like um a sexual tension that you get from the trailer yeah and i think that's also what drove us to want to watch it because we were kind of intrigued by like i mean it's the story of this woman named shirley and you could tell like something's not right like what is mm. this so yeah based off of um the author uh, shirley jackson sh- sorry shirley jackson which is funny because uh, you're like oh, it was a you know it's that a good w- biopic and i'm like what it <laughs> <laughs> was a biopic yeah i don't i don't it, i know it's based off uh it's based off the novel um uh, the, the, the author's name is escaping me right now uh but uh yeah i don't know how 100 percent true it is to like the novel or to shirley jackson i mean from what oh the novel's by uh susan's uh, susan scarf morell um but i i did do a bit of a bit of research on shirley jackson and found out that she was pretty like messed up like this mm-hmm. like she would uh kind of really be a, a, a person that was difficult to be around um like there's just there's that really great uh table scene at the, near the beginning of the movie where she just blatantly fucks with Rose, mm-hmm. like just right there, puts everything on blast. Like yeah. it, 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 but it's like a way of like, I mean, I mean, I'm sure you can you can uh, contest to this, but like how the military like they break you down to build you up, mm-hmm. and how she was breaking down the character to build her up to what she wanted her to do. Yeah. Um, I kind of think that if we're really gonna do this mm-hmm. movie justice, we might probably just get into uh the spoilers spoiler section yeah okay yeah we're gonna go ahead and jump in the spoiler section because there's a lot to dive into um especially like the meaning of the movie and especially like our thoughts of what the ending meant um so if you guys who are listening you don't want to be spoiled we highly suggest you guys like stop and then get into the movie and then come back later um but if you guys say fuck it whatever um here is your spoiler bumper right about now We dance every time. Every time. <laughs> every time. All, all day. Every day. <laughs> okay. Um, Quick mention. Um, 
didn't you? Did, I don't know if we watched this together, but didn't we watch this movie called The One I Love? No. Oh, I got to show you that one. That's another great performance by, by Elizabeth Moss. Really? Yeah, we got to watch that one. Um, you were talking about being confused between mm-hmm. Rose, like being beto- confused between two characters, and actually it is the same actress. Yeah, yeah. So you weren't, con- you, it was just confusing because you knew they were different characters, but they looked the same or similar. Yeah. But it was the same actress. Yeah, like there's a part in the movie where, um, where uh, Shirley asks, asks Rose to like, Kind of like do the investigation on this on this uh, girl that disappeared that and she's gonna be it's gonna be the basis of her next like next novel, and like they do a scene where like we're just kind of following her and I remember at one point you said like what is she doing, um because she was kind of like she was like at the doctor's at one point, yeah I was like I thought it was weird she was going it, to the it, doctor because yeah. already by that point um, even though it, it wasn't all that earned I kind of thought that. Shirley had manipulated Rose enough mm-hmm. to like, because she kept harping on her pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. I thought she had kind of gotten her to a point where she was like, "No, I'm not going to have this kid." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. she was at the doctor's office, and I was kind of confused, like, "What's going on?" And then yeah. she ended up at the post office. See, and that's why I started getting confused because the way how she was talking to uh, the mailman, postmaster, whatever the guy is title was she was talking to him very like very uh not forthcoming but very strong like she accused him of doing something like she was almost questioning him like she was interrogating him and i feel like shirley made like told her to do it that way yeah see at that point like i think if i remember correctly like that scene was happening and then like the shirley character was like narrating like how she was like uh writing the story out and everything and it felt like she was telling um she was telling the story of that girl or she was telling a she was retelling a part of her novel, and we were just seeing it happen in right. real time. Yeah. Um, so that's what was confusing because I was like, "Wait, are we like in a novel now, or is are we actually seeing Rose interact with these people and stuff like?" That? So that's the part I was getting really confused on. Yeah. Um, and I was confused on it too. Uh, the, honestly, the girl mm-hmm. disappearing on the campus was mm-hmm. not. First of all, I don't understand what the point of it was. Uh-huh. Um. Not only did it not really seem to have a point, but at the mm-hmm. same time, they never solved it. I think because like that was like the they didn't want that to be the focus of the the story of solving this girl's murder. They just wanted you to see the creation of this book she's writing. Right. Um, the only thing I really got from that mm-hmm. is that Shirley saw Rose as the missing girl named Paula. Yeah. Like I really think that she was just kind of meshing them together in her mm. mind yeah and the only reason why she sent her out to go do those things is because she was kind of her lackey because shirley wasn't leaving the house yeah she has um shirley jackson was known to have really difficult issues just leaving the house like she had suffered from like uh extreme anxiety and all, all the other type of mental ailments and stuff like that so yeah she she eventually did turn rose into her lackey but then she turned like her lackey that she was like manipulating the fuck out of Mm -hmm. um like well okay to go into like shirley jackson or like i said i don't know how thorough the personality or the the character study of shirley jackson is but i really enjoyed how they made her super manipulative but without hitting you over the head with it or making it blatantly obvious right like even um 
there's that great scene where it's at the beginning of the dining scene or the dinner scene where the wife has left. Rose has left because Shirley like fucked with her head. Was just like, oh, you have this pregnancy. Did you tell him? Did you tell your husband that you got pregnant before the marriage with a shotgun wedding? All that? Like, it's really fucking with her, right? Mm-hmm. And then the husband leaves. And at the same time, all this happened. There's like a phone ringing constantly in the background. Yeah. And the fact that Shirley just like, you know, damn well that phone's not supposed to ring during dinner time. And like, I was sitting there thinking like, wait. Is, what, what is she getting to? Why is that phone call bothering her so much? Mm-hmm. And the fact that she was even to go like, like they didn't, he didn't, she didn't explicitly say that like, I know you're banging these women behind my back, but he had said like, well, this is our understanding that I can't do this. Yeah. And, and she, she was, she was more pissed off that the fact that they're calling during dinner time, as opposed to calling her husband to bang him. I kind of, th- I don't know. I, I have this un, like this idea lately about how relationships should like should work. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't see anything wrong with it. I don't find anything wrong with it. Oh or, no, no, or like surprising about it. Mm-hmm. Just you know, stick to the the ground rules. Yeah, it's just but it's it's, it's just like at that time. Like your level of thinking was like unheard of back then. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like you know, kind of put yourself in a time frame of just like, oh my god, that's really fucked up. And, yeah. You know. <laughs> I mean, now if they did that, you're just like, yeah, All right, yeah whatever. Totally. <laughs> that would happen, obviously. Yeah. Um, I really liked the actor who played her husband as well. Michael uh, Stuhlbarg. Yeah. <sighs> you know where he's from, right? One of your least favorite Coen Brothers home. What? Oh, um, a serious man. Mm, that's the same guy. For some reason, I was thinking Homeland. No, no, they do look similar. Yeah, they, they do. do look right? Yeah. Um, I really like him though. Um, that dude is a phenomenal actor. Yeah. He is so dis. Oh, you got to see him in Boardwalk Empire. He's so fucking good. I, you know, I really wanted to watch that show, and I was kind of into it, and uh-huh. but it kind of lost me pretty quick. That show is dope, especially um, Michael Ken- Michael Kenneth Wa- Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a homeboy with a giant scar on his face, black guy. Uh, he plays this guy called Chalky Williams. Oh, Jeffrey Wright's in it too. Oh yeah, I think he plays like Bumpy Johnson or something like that. I think oh. He plays Bumpy Johnson. Um, but yeah, the uh, what's his name? The homeboy um, Michael Stolberg. He's in that he's in that show too for like three seasons. He's really great in it. Mm. Um, but yeah, his uh, but I didn't mean to cut you off. Your his your mentioning his performance. I think that him and Elizabeth Moss really bounced off of each other well. Mm. Like they have a very like chaotic energy. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and it's like they're they're um like bipolar or something like they they're mm-hmm. manic and they feed off of each other's energy yeah, yeah, yeah. because even as she's in bed and like doesn't want to get out of bed yeah he's like tr- like he has a lot of energy and he's like no come on get out of bed and you know it's not even like with a lot of love and care it's like you're not gonna do this again i know i'm not gonna i'm not falling to your show this time you know like i'm fucking busy yeah you know i'm a professor in you know in college and everything i can't do this with you all the time mm-hmm. get out of bed mm-hmm. and her thing too like she's exactly that same way with him like i don't really give a shit what you're doing mm-hmm. like you want to be sleeping with other people cool but yeah. like don't you know the fucking rules mm-hmm. so like their energy is so similar, mm-hmm. um, and I think it really works. I think it, I think the um, 
<clears throat> I think the you're talking about like the ground rules they had. I think one of the ground rules that the that this couple had was um, you can do whatever you want. Uh, Elizabeth Moss, uh, Shirley Jackson was like, you can do whatever you want. Just don't throw it in my face or don't make it so blatantly obvious. Mm-hmm. Like there's that scene where they go to that party that um, it was like a staff party or teacher's party or professor's party or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, the dean. I think it was the dean. It was a, yeah, it was part of the dean through and how um, her husband was obviously flirting with the dean's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and she can just like see it. And she was just getting drunker and drunker as mm-hmm. like time was going on. Yeah. Um, you got a sense that it was almost like a reflection of of her marriage along uh, besides uh rose's marriage Mm -hmm. because as that marriage is slowly just falling apart Mm -hmm. and she's even um rose thinks that her husband is cheating on her in some sense but she can't she hasn't been able to like have the mental fortitude to like deal with it or really have any evidence yeah but it's it's like always there Mm -hmm. you know it was like it was like uh rose and her husband this was Shirley jackson and her husband's marriage like 10 years ago you know before they laid out the ground rules yeah you know it's like the earlier an earlier version was so it was in a way it was like they were kind of like fucking with like their past selves if you really think about it yeah like oh they really did love each other back then yeah and then some author just kind of well the author did really i don't want to say i don't want to say shirley jackson made that marriage go downhill it seemed like that marriage was I don't know. It seemed like the marriage was kind of built off of lust and not off, out, of, out of love. Yeah. You know, maybe like a necessity and stuff. Because even um, when we're introduced to the characters, when we first introduced to the characters, like they bang out like in a train. Yeah. You know, without. And much- it's not even like lovemaking. Like he has her turned. Yeah. And yeah. He's, like behind her. Yeah. 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 Um, so going back to that Dean party scene. Mm hmm. Let's talk about that that confrontation she had with the dean's wife. <laughs> that shit was so awesome. I want you to leave that one. Though. So first of all, the dean's wife, uh, I fucking hate her. Okay, yeah, she's like a bitch. Yeah. Like she had that face. Like, she stick her nose up to people and shit. Yeah, and she would come by like Shirley and make like little comments at her and shit, mm-hmm. or like be staring at her from across the room. Mm-hmm. And so she came over to Shirley at one point. And um, started talking about her husband. I think Shirley actually mentioned it first, right? Yeah. And Shirley, what what did she say exactly? She was like, well, what the, she was pouring the wine on the couch, which is like a big fuck you. I think it was before that they had the conversation. Oh, she said something like, she's like, she, she, without any filter she pretty much said like about like the woman's condescending attitude i think she said you would bore my husband in a week uh no no that was that was when they were going at it oh, okay um yeah she 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 kind of made like a slide remark she caroline that's that's um the actress is uh ola cassidy that's the name of the actress um yeah she made like a comment about like pretty much like calling her like on her not on her bullshit but like you're so fake yeah and then to kind of really fuck with her, like I said, she poured that red wine, which at that time is very impossible to get off that fucking very nice looking couch. Right. Um, and then how like they're kind of sparring back and forth, mm-hmm. which was really great. Yeah. I liked how they were sparring back and forth, too, because they both kind of had receipts, you know, like. Yeah. And they had a point to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With, you know, Shirley telling her, you know, there's all kinds of women. It's not just you. Yeah. And um, the wife was like, you know, 
there's all kinds of women. It's not just you. You know, yeah, so yeah, it's like yeah. they had they were using the same point to like bring each other down. Uh-huh. Um, but of course, Shirley had the stronger mental fortitude, mm. and um, she completely like. I think she terrified her by pouring the wine on the couch because mm. it was clearly on purpose. Mm. And um, she ended up like running out of the room. Yeah, she was just like. Oh. Like she was kind of like scared of her. And I'm like, oh, poor me. Uh. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I would not want to get. You know what? The more I think about it, the way how Shirley is. I mean. <sighs> Okay, like that verbal sparring they had, like, I'm afraid I have that with you. You're afraid to have that with me? I'm afraid to have a verbal sparring because, like, the way how I argue, I kind of, like, go for the juggler really fucking fast. Mm-hmm. But you would just let that shit build. Like, if I go for the juggler really fast, it would just go like, huh, and then that's all. I Like, I fired all my shots. <laughs> you would just be like, boom, 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 like, keep coming at me. And that's, like, that's how Shirley was. Mm-hmm. Like, every time... Uh, the the dean's wife said something. Shirley like one upped her and just kept doing it and doing it until until like the wife uh, flinched. Mm. So like if you and I got into an argument, I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna lose this argument so badly. I think we'd both lose because sometimes I lose like I lose you mm. in conversation. Um, like I mentally check out, or I'm just like, no, nah, fuck this. No, like you don't know where I'm going. Oh, okay. And then I get frustrated. Mm. So, like, I'll be frustrated, and mm. you'll think you know where I'm going, and mm. we're not matching. We're on different, like, in different books. Okay. And we both lose, because we're both frustrated. We're not, we're not in different books. We're, like, different sections of the library. Yeah. We're not even saying library. <laughs> 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 All right. So, to win an argument with you, just play dumb. Yeah. Oh, okay. I Fuck, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't play dumb. I hate dumb people. Um... So, Rose was a really interesting character because mm. she was kind of boring in the beginning. Yeah, she was, yeah. Um, and she was weak and whatever, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more she got involved with Shirley, mm. the more interesting she got. Like, she, there's something, like, inside of her woke up. Yeah. And she realized, like, holy shit, I'm throwing my life away. Or mm, something. Okay. Like, like she's, she was bored. Yeah, she was boring because she was bored. Yeah, she was like the, she was the housewife that would, you know, um, cook. Uh, was it be it still pregnant and barefoot or something? Exactly, like that. and that's mm-hmm. exactly what Shirley and her husband wanted from her mm, in the okay. beginning because they said made. I think they made it up about this housekeeper that quit or whatever. Oh yeah, that was total. That was total so they, bullshit. Yeah, so they needed someone to clean and cook and everything. Yeah. And so like, oh, I don't want to ask too much of you, even though you're staying with us. Yeah. You know, but could you please? Can you make like a rump roast for dinner during yeah. like the summer where it's hot as shit? Yeah, he's yeah. like, I like a hot meal on a hot day. I'm like, well, who yeah. the fuck likes a hot meal <laughs> on a hot day? I know, like. Yeah, who does that? And I feel you feel so bad for that person because, like, they're not. Because I've cooked during the summer. You've cooked during the summer. It gets hot shit in there. Yeah, and then some days you're just like, guess what, kids? We're having sandwiches for dinner. <laughs> We're having cereal for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, she seemed to get to a point where mm. she realized that she was bored and she wasn't happy. Mm. Yeah. And her husband was out. You know, she didn't know what he was really doing, but oh, he was being a professor. Was so fucked up. Yeah, and 
and um Shirley's husband was kind of coming on to her she was kind of like like in this weird place and then mm-hmm. Shirley was there like being she was like being like passive aggressive where she oh, would yeah. be like like get the fuck out of my my office but then she's like buddy with her but then she's like scaring her that she's feeding her like the the death cap mushrooms and shit you know and then i think i think at that moment with the with the 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 death cab um mushrooms Mm -hmm. i think that was the moment like she got her yeah like the fact that she like had her eat it which was like she she almost literally had her eating out of the palm of her hand exactly and it was just like boom i got your ass like locked in Mm mm-hmm um and so then I, that's when i mean she did kind of fuck up with shirley a couple times because mm. shirley is difficult so you know it yeah. is what it is but um shirley kind of liked her because she yeah she knew that she had someone who could grow into somebody else under her watch yeah there was um uh one, one more thing i want to talk about with the husband or just mentioned about the husband is um um there's a scene there's this scene where like rose is cooking dinner and this guy gets behind her and like it's it the camera is like carefully placed where you know there's a person but you can't see who it is like you can you get you get a you get a you get the same sense as rose did where you don't know somebody's there but you know somebody's there Mm -hmm. and like the camera was like really placed very well where you couldn't tell if it was if it was um like you thought it was her husband yeah you thought it was her husband uh her husband fred and is revealed to be stanley and it was like this very kind of tender moment that would be that would kind of showcase that the marriage between rose and fred are very genuine Mm -hmm. but if you think about it they never really got it like a genuine like very love scene it was like like i said it was lust and it was like a necessity but you never got a sense of like did they even love each other yeah you know like i would argue that (laughs) shirley and stanley were more in love with each other because they were able to like bounce off of each other and kind of like they knew they put up with each other their most difficult times yeah yeah um but like they loved each other enough to like stick it out and Mm. and they had good moments too yeah absolutely um it was more good moments than than the young couple that was living (laughs) with them yeah exactly um but i like One thing I was really enjoying is, um, especially this really great scene where, um, from you know, majority of the movie you see Shirley kind of like disheveled, hair messed up, looks like she hasn't bathed like in three days or something like that, and then one scene she looks very sexy mm-hmm. on that swinging chair outside. Yeah. To the point where I was like, "Yo, damn, Elizabeth Moss, what's what's going on?" Like I, <laughs> I don't know something about. Well, she has glasses too, so I have kind of a thing with women for glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like that scene where. Um, they were together and she was like seducing Rose. Um, but Rose was pregnant at that time, wasn't she? During that scene? She was pregnant the whole time. Well, like, uh, well, like, I think like the third act in the movie, she like popped the baby out. Oh, yeah, she was yeah. pregnant. Yeah. And how like, it wasn't like a blatant, like passionate kiss or anything like that. It was just like, oh, let me just grind my knee against your crotch and see what happens. It was like sexy, but like dirty. Yeah, it was same. really dirty. Yeah. <laughs> And it went on for a while, too. Could have went on longer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, because she told Rose to, like, stand right in front of her. Yeah, yeah. And then she was just staring at her Mm. the whole time. All right. So, okay, so let's talk about the ending. 
because we had a pretty pretty good discussion going on at the beginning. Yeah. Um, or when we watched the movie. Okay, so the ending is really interesting because. Re- oh wait, hold on. Before we talk about the ending, that really funny scene. It wasn't intentionally funny, but that scene where um, Shirley tells Rose like there is no Shakespeare Club, pretty much saying your husband has been fucking these college students or whatever, mm-hmm. and how the wife confronts him, and she gives that look like how many. <laughs> you had that you recorded that <laughs> it's like it's 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 uh it's supposed to be like a i know i don't know what, i don't know what the director was thinking because you got a sense that like she wanted to be serious but like funny at the same time like even the music in the background was like i think they wanted to showcase her mental break and it didn't oh she looked nuts yeah she did like it came it did have that effect yeah but it was funny yeah like and she was as the movie kind of progresses like she's turning more and more into shirley like even mm-hmm. like her demeanor her hair looks to show she looks she doesn't sleep or anything like mm-hmm. that but at the same time she's becoming very free like she's breaking the chains oh hit the mic <laughs> she's breaking the chains off of her marriage right um which is something that like shirley has with her husband like if you think about it, shirley's more free than her husband her husband is banging all these women behind her her back, but Shirley still has all the power. Yeah. In the goal of manipulation and all that. Um, so the ending. Um, I feel like I've been talking a whole lot. You want to go into it? Or you want to lead up to it? So the ending kind of starts with when Shirley tells Rose, you know, about your husband's been sleeping with all these women. Yeah. And Rose is like, you betrayed me. I don't understand. You know, I thought we were friends. Yeah, why'd you tell me that? And she's crying. And then that's when she takes off with the baby and she finds Fred on campus. Yeah. And she does that funny scene where Mm -hmm. she's like, how many, Fred? How many? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Shirley ends up finding Rose. Yeah, Um, like walking. Walking, yeah, with the baby because... She weirdly takes the baby out of the stroller. I, I was just like, oh, that's going to be so uncomfortable carrying that baby, however far they're coming from. Exactly. Mm. Um, so she takes off with the baby in her arms, and mm. then Shirley finds her and gets her to get into the, the vehicle with the baby. And um, they end up at, like, a cliff because Shirley, I mean, um, Rose tells Shirley to stop. Yeah. And um, Shirley kind of is like, oh, shit, what do I do now? Like, I've never seen her unsure of herself except in that one moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Rose gets out on her own and leaves the baby in in the truck. I think it's the truck. Mm. And um, Shirley's like, okay, maybe I need to follow her. So she picks up the baby and Mm. follows her into the woods, Mm. you know, and she's standing on this cliff rose is standing on this cliff and you honestly don't know if she's going to jump or not yeah it's a very tense scene um but in a way it was kind of beautiful because like cinematographer and the director knew how to set up their shot to look amazing right um they were kind of like looking over i don't remember correctly but it was kind of starting to get into a sunset scene right yeah okay the sun was starting to go down um sun's getting real low (laughs) (laughs) Um, and in that moment, mm. 
she like you don't know if she jumps or she doesn't jump yeah because like elizabeth moss she like puts her head on her shoulder and i remember it's kind of cutting back and forth between the cliff scene and like the scene where the um her husband fred and rose are like leaving like they finally like moved out of the house Mm -hmm. and like fred is telling him telling her like it's gonna be okay like everything that happened we're gonna get over this and she says like no nothing's ever gonna be the same it's never gonna be normal she kind of like makes this like this weird twitch yeah like she's like snapped and shit yeah um but yeah she like puts her hand on on rose's body and it looks like she falls over and i remember you and i were just kind of like huh yeah no yeah so yeah so shirley lays her face like the side of her face on rose and then all of a sudden rose like falls off the cliff yeah and um so the i'm gonna use a big word here okay the juxtaposition okay between rose falling off the cliff and rose um in that scene with her husband Mm -hmm. kind of leads you with the idea is her jumping off the cliff was that the real ending Mm -hmm. and was her gonna leave with her husband and then actually just leaving him behind Mm. um was that the book ending Mm. or did shirley write her jumping off the cliff and in real life she left her husband yeah yeah because after that it like she's completed her book and her her husband's like it's a masterpiece it's your best work i have some notes yeah (laughs) but it's a masterpiece total guy thing um yeah so I, like, I think, it, yeah, it really plays with the idea of, like, did we just watch the book ending? Or did we really watch, like, an ending? Like, did the girl really die? Or even, I, I remember you said, um, you had thought that maybe the couple didn't even exist. Yeah, I, I kind of thought that they they didn't really exist because um, they she manipulated her so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of like this thing where... Since, you know, like, Paula seemed made up, even though she had posters. Yeah. It was like, sure, um, Rose and Paula were the same person. Yeah. So you almost kind of get a sense that she's, like, creating these things in her mind as she's writing this book. Hmm. You know what? Now I think about it. Okay, so Rose is going through the woods, and then Paula, not Paula, um shirley follows her and i remember there's a lot of part there's a lot of parts in the movie where we see paula like following this mysterious guy who might be her murderer or something like that mm-hmm. um like not now now i'm thinking that that whenever she'll, they show paula going with that guy into the woods that's like that was like shirley doing her research or kind of theorizing what happened mm-hmm. okay so we got that and then we're seeing a create her own creation with um with rose um especially like the part where she's like manipulating her and everything that's her like creating her character and kind of like seeing in real life to kind of like get into the mindset of the character so she can write this great novel yeah um but then when we see shirley uh and rose go in the woods that's like the completion of the character like boom like now they're you know you can you can tell you can tell paula and rose apart story-wise because like um they're not wearing the same clothes. They're wearing the same clothes. Like the lighting, with the tone of it was a bit more gray and stuff like that. But when we see Shirley and Rose, it's a bit more light. But that's like her creation. Mm-hmm. Like her creation coming to life. Yeah. So maybe like the part where she jumped off the cliff, well, supposedly jumped off the cliff, maybe that was part of the 
story. Remember I said after we watched the movie too hmm. that I almost I thought that her jumping off the cliff was the book mm. because it seems like it's one of those shocking moments mm. that people might tend to predict or whatever mm-hmm. that someone who's so vain as Shirley's husband would think is like the most amazing mm. tragic ending ever. Yeah. Um, but in real life, the tragedy is Rose doesn't know who she is anymore. Mm-hmm. And now she's like, like it's not a tragedy that she broke away from her husband, but, but she's like, broken. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that could be more, that can speak volumes of how certain people think, maybe like how women think where, it's more horrifying to be in a loveless marriage than to actually like be dead or something like that. Because you know, when you're dead, you're done. It's all over. Right. Loveless marriage, you're dead, but you're still alive. Well, she was with her husband and even though things weren't going right and mm-hmm. it wasn't really full of love. Yeah. Um, there was still a hope mm. and the hope was gone by yeah. the end. She yeah. was like, there was no hope anymore. Yeah. And she, was broken so like there's almost kind of like you're happy for her that she got away but at the same time um yeah what cause yeah exactly like at what cost yeah like she's not the same person that she was yeah and do you know she's gonna be happy that way like yeah like rose when she was in the car um at the end her makeup was done like she looked like she looked like how she did when the movie started like clean hair comb lipstick makeup everything mm-hmm. but you can still see in her eyes that it was just like okay she's not fully there mm-hmm. you know and then that kind of goes into like the the twitch she made and i kind of saw myself there too oh did you mm-hmm. Damn. i did um obviously my ex didn't cheat on me yeah but it was kind of pretty much like a loveless marriage and you're just like i gotta get out of this yeah i mean i th- thought i knew what love was mm-hmm. so it wasn't like loveless like we didn't have love, but it wasn't like you should marry your best friend. And he, mm. and I kind of knew early on and kept ignoring it that he just was never my best friend. <laughs> like he was never my friend. Yeah. Damn. Not even your friend. <laughs> well, no, he wasn't. We didn't have the same interests. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to support me in any of mine, mm-hmm. you know, and I tried to support him in his, like I would buy him like a paintball gun. And he never used it or like, you know, things like that. And he, yeah. he just, it just. Didn't appreciate it. No. It was mostly me just, you know, cooking and cleaning and. Yeah. Um, so would you, <laughs> I'm a, so I'm going to kind of throw a question at you. <laughs> would you say this is a great movie to watch if you're thinking about divorcing your significant other? If you're not afraid of divorcing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think it probably would have made me cry if I was still on the edge of should yeah. I or shouldn't I? Okay. Um, because I did kind of cry a lot at that time because I f- kind of felt like a part of me was dying. Mm, okay. Um, so I definitely would have probably cried. So maybe this movie's more about marriage. Maybe. Yeah. Like not just marriage, but I think about finding yourself. Yeah. Like um, you kind of think you know who you are and the people around you, and then it takes one person to manipulate your thoughts into something different. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, this is a really great movie. <laughs> yeah, I really like this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we probably could talk hours about this movie if we really wanted to. Yeah. Um. All right, but we can't because we got another one to talk about. Yeah. Um. Is there anything else you want to? Um. Is there anything at all you want to add to it about this movie? 
Uh, no, I, um, you know, that baby cried a fucking lot, though. Oh, that baby was annoying. Once the baby was born, she cried all the time. You know, back, I mean, back then you can, <clears throat> back then you can put a little bit of a uh, whiskey, whiskey. Yeah. On their, <laughs> on their gums. And that would have been, <laughs> I thought we were both like whiskey. <laughs> well, it's funny because my kids were not like that. Uh, my kids were happy. Yeah. Mine did not cry. Like they didn't even cry. Like I knew someone who had a baby around the same time that I had my oldest. Mm-hmm. That kid used to cry just because he peed in his diaper. Mm. And like, so there are babies out there who don't like being wet. Yeah. And that I did not have that experience. I would have to just kind of know when they were wet and change them yeah. because they wouldn't tell me. But getting your getting your youngest in the pool is like pulling hair. Oh man. <laughs> or pulling teeth. She didn't even hair. like washing her face or washing her hair in the shower. Oof. Um okay, so would you would you recommend this movie? Definitely. Definitely. Um yeah, I I would have to fully agree with that. I recommend this movie, especially like if you really want a good psychological drama. Um, that's kind of a biopic, but it's, it really explores like, like I would say like marriage and relationships and finding yourself and the author Shirley Jackson, I think it's a really great movie to check out. It's on Hulu if you, <clears throat> if you guys are still listening into the spoiler section, but it's an awesome movie. Yes. Um, and with that, we will get into our geriatric cinematic of the talented Mr. Ripley. Dickie Greenlee? It's Tom. Tom Ripley. Tom Ripley? We were at Princeton together. Did we know each other? Sorry, what is it? Ripley. How do you do? We'll just be for a little while. No, I like him. Marge, you like everybody. Marge, you like everybody. You uh, stay at Dickie's house, eat Dickie's food, wear his clothes. And his father picks up the tab. What did you actually do in New York? Telling lies, forging signatures, uh, impersonating practically anybody. What? I wish I could live Dickie's life for him. I know what I would do. This movie came out in 1999, and the synopsis is, in late 1950s New York, Tom Ripley, a young underachiever, is sent to Italy to retrieve Dickie Greenleaf, a rich and spoiled millionaire playboy. But when the errand fails, Ripley takes extreme measures. Directed and written by Anthony Mingala. He did The English Patient, Cold Mountain, and Breaking and Entering. The stars Matt Damon, Gwyneth Paltrow, Jude Law, Kate Blanchett, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Jack Davenport. Hmm. What? I was trying to remember who that character was. Who? Uh, Peter Smith Kinsley. Oh! He was the... Uh, oh. oh, poor Peter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let, me, let, me st- let me start off by what I said while we're watching this movie. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I saw this movie... I saw the movie when it first came out on DVD, mm-hmm. which is maybe like 2000 or something like that. Right. Um, but I remember watching that movie and ending and be like, wow, that was a really good movie. Holy shit. It's a really great ending. Mm-hmm. But getting into this movie i completely forgot about the movie the only part i remember is like the murder scene which one uh, which one <laughs> uh between matt damon and jew law mm-hmm. um and then i remember like the ending of how not of how but like the fact that he, that um matt damon's character gets away with it 
Um, but yeah, when we were rewatching this, I was like, yo, I'm so glad I forgot like most of this movie because there are parts where I was like, oh, like, holy shit. <laughs> I was watching it for the first time for a second time. Exactly. That's what I like about watching movies. Yeah. Um, now you know how I feel. <laughs> but uh, the geriatric cinematic part, of this is more of Kelsey's wheelhouse because she's never seen it. Yeah, exactly. So what did you think? What did you think about this movie? I liked the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely wasn't as thrilling as mm. um, Shirley was. Yeah, the trailer's kind of really sold it as like this really thrilling kind of thing but it was very um it's very uh what's it called a uh, slow burning yeah it was a slow burn it wasn't um thrilling but it was interesting yeah um kate blanchett to, i really like her like i know she wasn't really like a main character mm-hmm. um but I, like i don't have a crush on her <laughs> you do if you, you do when you saw her in thor ragnarok yeah but she was sexy <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I always like seeing her because she's almost like predictably great performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked, I don't like the fact that the synopsis says that he's an underachiever, that Tom Ripley is, mm-hmm. because if he's young and he has all these talents, he's not really an underachiever because he keeps doing all these things to like reinvent himself and get by yeah um one thing one thing i want to point out is um at the beginning of the movie when the credits are rolling and then there's the title card um it goes to like a series of like adjectives right and it stops at talented um but what these are what the adjectives are it's uh it goes the and it goes mysterious yearning secretive sad lonely trouble confused loving musical gifted intelligent beautiful tender sensitive haunting passionate talented mr ripley mm-hmm. which it pretty much describes that fucking character yeah exactly um and he was kind of weird like i get the sense that if he wasn't so uh almost desperate for attention yeah and for love and stuff like that yeah he would have found somebody organically yeah you that's the thing you never get that sense um at the beginning of the movie you got you you kind of get a sense that like he kind of just keeps falling into this kind of thing like how he's at the funeral but he's really at the funeral because somebody didn't want to show up and he just wanted to pretend like he, he somebody asked him just to be present for him or something like that yeah um and then how like the father is like oh you have a princeton jacket you must know my son and then how he kind of just it keeps evolving of him just kind of going through these things of like finding dicky and then being around them and then you get a sense of like yo this guy's really troubled mm-hmm. and really fucked up because you you the, myself and kelsey um, hopefully kelsey and the audience you introduce this character of like who is this guy yeah we, we almost know nothing about him whatsoever other than that he works at princeton and he's a um uh like a what's it called like a bathroom attendant oh yeah yeah and like that's it we don't know we don't we don't know anything about him we don't know where he's from originally if he has any if his parents are alive siblings nothing right everything he's saying it's like completely made up yeah um so i guess it was kind of a slow start for me because of that because you Mm. don't know him they don't really do a whole lot to tell you who he is Mm -hmm. and he's just following through like these series of events Mm -hmm. i did kind of find his um interaction with clay clay (laughs) kate blanchett's character um 
kind of confusing and boring mm-hmm. um, at the beginning um, because he was going through the train station and then, you know, she seemed intrigued by him mm-hmm. um, and they were by the R's, mm-hmm. you know, which his last name is Ripley, but he's like, nah, my last name is Greenleaf. Yeah, he starts taking the guy's identity right away. Yeah, so um, I don't really think that like it was a great start to the movie okay but i didn't really start picking up until he he met jude law's character mm, yeah yeah it's true um and it's weird how they accepted him because most people aren't like that i guess that's that's how the thing i guess that's how it was back then oh you went to princeton well i went to princeton we must be brothers la da 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 all that kind of stuff exactly so um then jude jude law was really hot back then I would have to agree. Yes, he was a very attractive man back then. Mm-hmm. What? The thing that you said was, yeah, before he was an asshole. Yeah, he kind of like just, he kind of just, I don't know what the fuck happened. He kind of just became like this asshole. And maybe it started with his receding hairline or something like that. <laughs> For every hair that he loses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he does He does play assholes very well. Yeah. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow, I kind of liked her in this movie, too, because she was, well, mostly I did, <laughs> um, because she kind of knew what her boyfriend was doing. Oh, when also. he was cheating on him? Oh, she, she, sorry, he was cheating on her? Yeah. Yeah. Like, she knew. Um, yeah, she had to know. Well, she did know, because, um, remember they were on the boat together, and... Oh, and it was him, and then, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, right? Yeah. yeah okay, I know you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, and so he was sitting there reading a book by himself because they already had a confrontation. Um, mm-hmm. Dickie and uh, Tom had a confrontation where he was, like, weirded out by him or something. Yeah, And I think it what, was it that he was trying to get in the tub with him, or was that after? Well, the, uh, I, I don't think he was weirded out by it. I think... You it, could tell he was. He was like, I'm not a fucking... I, that's it. See, I didn't. I didn't take it like that. I take it like, um, th- okay. So this is how I take it. That scene with the bathtub scene where Tom puts his hand in the water and he's like, "Oh, can I get in?" And Dickie kind of like pauses, like, "Hmm," like very inquisitive, right? I think like if I think if Tom said, "Can I get in the tub with you?" I think he would have been up for it. Mm-hmm. But like the reason why he, the reason why. Uh, Dickie had that attitude is that Tom pulled back. Tom didn't go full in. I don't think so. Okay. okay. Because here's the reason why. Mm-hmm. As soon as he asked that question, mm-hmm. there was like a quietness Okay. From, that came from Jude Law's character. Yeah, see, that quietness, I thought like that was him saying like, let's see how far he takes this. Mm-mm, I saw I saw it. Okay. Let's see how far he'll take this, uh-huh. but in a very threatening kind of way. Oh, okay. Like, let's, it, like, don't oh okay um like i'll fuck your shit up if you do Mm. but he wasn't like really threatening about it but Mm. it was just like what the fuck are you doing okay i i just felt like he was really like like you could see his jaw clenching and stuff like i just saw yeah i just saw like his mouth became like more set like uh dicky right yeah okay and it was just kind of like he was almost kind of scared because Mm. I don't think he really had encountered that before. See, I didn't take it like that. I took it as like he was just he was more pissed off that Tom didn't go full in on it because, you know, he like stands up butt ass naked 
And he goes, like, for the stands up, instead of, like, getting out, like, you know, and just goes, like, you know, I'm a prune anyway. Uh, like, I'm, I'm turning into a prune. And then, like, um, Dickie grabs a towel. Tom's looking, like, at his ass, like, in, in, uh, in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And instead of Dickie still being upset, he just, like, threw the towel, like, stop it, you know. Kind of, like, playful kind of stop it. I think it was just to break the mood. Mm-hmm. I really don't think that it was, like... Mm-hmm. Because they never got they never got any chance to be anything, at all. Mm. So I think it was just like, I don't know. They really were more like brothers, and I think mm. he did love him in a sense, but not like not like who uh, did he love Tom or mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. I would have to say that too. But definitely, like he loves everybody else. Where we're cool, mm. and then we're not cool. Mm. Um. So, I thought that was really interesting. Mm. Um, but anyways, back to Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm. Um, they were on the boat mm. after they had whatever encounter was first. And she um, saw him reading on you know the book. And mm-hmm. he was by himself while Dickie was in the water playing with his friend. Yeah. And um, she's like, you know, he's like that with everybody, with all the guys. And then she threw in there mm. and the girls. Mm. you know oh okay okay so like she she had to know she knew and she i think she was just like you know as long as he always comes back to me yeah you know like i'm i'm i never get that that sense from him that he doesn't want anything to do with me so Mm, okay yeah depending on like the extreme situation extreme situation that dickie would find himself like the fact that like that the the woman that he was having an affair with, now she was like pregnant, mm-hmm. and he might have been the father and everything. Yeah, and that kind of like drum. Um, so, what did you think? Um, what do you think about the performance? Is there anybody that stood out for you? Uh, no. <laughs> really? I, I mean, they were good. Uh, I think Jude Law was kind of good because he was um, really energetic the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um. But everyone was like good. Mm. It wasn't like it was a solid performance from everybody, but nothing really stood out. Like it was a okay. slow burn, you know. I, I think okay. Well, I would I would think that Matt Damon was the one who stood out the most. I mean, okay, I, I will agree that like everybody was good. Everybody was like on their game, like throughout the movie. But that scene where um near the end or close like close almost to the end of the third act, where Matt Damon is talking to Peter and it's pretty much like. You know, he, he, he gives that whole basement discussion. I thought that, that scene was really great. You know what? Actually, the I'll, I'll say about Matt Damon where he was on the boat. Mm-hmm. And he was on the boat with Peter. And Peter, you know, leaves. And Matt Damon says, I'm going to be out here for you know a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And he runs into Meredith. Mm-hmm. And we kept, we kept talking about it when it happened. Mm-hmm. He asked her, are you here alone? Oh, yeah, right? that creepy-ass scene, yeah. And, like, you could tell he was kind of hoping that she was. And the minute she said, no, I'm here with my, my family, and yeah. she points to them, the walls go up. Like, yeah. like you could see his mind made up at that moment. That, Fuck, she's not here alone. Mm. That means I have to kill Peter. Oh, like, oh, like, okay, like, like, it was a switch. Like, like, if obviously, like, if Meredith wasn't there, he would have, I mean, Meredith, if Meredith's uh, 
aunt and whoever else was with her, um, if they weren't there, he would have been like, I'm obviously killing Meredith because I want to be with Peter. Right. Okay. I didn't I didn't notice that. But what, now, you that, now that you pointed it out, mm-hmm. I totally see it now. Yeah. It's great. Great performance by Matt Damon. Yeah. So like in, and so in that moment when he realizes he's going to have to kill Peter, it's more than that because uh. for the most part, he was bothered in a sense of like, oh shit, I can't believe I'm doing this when he had to kill the other two. Mm-hmm. Like first he killed Dickie, then he killed his friend. Yeah, he Di- killed like, Freddy, So yeah. Dickie was like survival almost. I, th- I think it was like survival, but at the same time, it was like, no, I wouldn't say it was survival. I'd say it was more lashing out. Um, like, cause he, cause uh, uh, Tom was the one who struck uh, Dickie and it was like, he, he lost it. Yeah. And that's why that's why I honestly don't think I actually think the death when he killed Peter I think that was I think he was more hurt by that. But yeah, that's what I was getting at. Okay, because the first one was Dicky and he was like lashing out and he uh, was bothered by it. Yeah, but he was able to compartmentalize because he knew that Dicky wasn't a great person and he didn't like how he treated Meredith. Yeah. And all his like all his suspicions were correct when we get like Dicky's backstory. Then he gets more and more into pretending to be Dicky when it's convenient for him as mm. he's trying to get away. Yeah. Um, and Freddie figured it out. Yeah. And so, and he never liked Freddie from the jump. Yeah. So it was easy for him to do that at that time. Yeah. It was, I took that as more of, this is going to come, uh, well, I, I took it more as him as, as a defense. Like, I don't want to get caught. I have to kill this guy. Yeah. Yeah. But also, fuck this guy. <laughs> um, ah, Phil Seymour Hoffman. Man, I miss that dude's acting. Yeah. Um, but when it came to Peter and that look he got on his face was so grim mm-hmm. when he realized like within a split second that Meredith wasn't here alone, mm-hmm. that means I have to kill Peter. I know. So sad. Um, especially cause Peter's like, I saw you kiss Meredith. Like, and it's a, just because he couldn't be Dickie and Tom at the same time. Cause Meredith knew him as Dickie yeah. and Peter knew him as Tom. Yeah. And so, and they were friends. Yeah, and they would always like like Meredith and and Peter were friends. Um, yeah, like how yeah Meredith knew Peter. Like they all like they were the, all in the same social circle. Yeah, they're all in the same social circle. So like they are bound. Tom, like it was like the whole realization that Tom had. Like, um, if I don't kill one of them, I'm gonna get found out. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I have to kill. The guy who I'm actually into, which I think it's, I think we get more evidence of that because we don't actually see the death. We hear it and it sounds more horrifying because it's like we are seeing, we are more, we're paying attention more to Tom's reaction to what he just did. Mm-hmm. And he's just like dead. He's yeah. just like dead on the inside. Even the way how the shot is taken where, um, I think it's like from the view from within the closet in that room mm-hmm. and how the door swing it and it's a mirror and how the door just closes mm-hmm. and it's just like, boom. And like, like he'll, he will always be in the dark. He will always like be He's in this. Always going to be in that basement. Yeah. Man, such a good movie. <laughs> I kind of want to rewatch it now. <laughs> Did he meet a, um, when he was doing that dialogue scene you were talking about, when he was talking to Peter about mm-hmm. being in the basement. Yeah. Um, you get a sense that he was worried that he had to bury Tom mm-hmm. so that Dickie could come out. Like he was Dickie. Yeah. And he was worried that he was not going to be able to come back out of the basement. 
Oh, as no one's gonna, yeah, like no one's gonna know who he actually is. Yeah. And um, I think having to kill Peter so that Meredith wouldn't find out. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up permanently burying himself. Oh, Tom. Yeah, because like he, I mean, because by the end of the movie, he doesn't really have anybody. I mean, he can't, he can't even be with Meredith. Because Meredith knows him as Dickie, and he gave her this bullshit story like, "Oh yeah, um, the the I'm under I'm in custody. You know, people think I killed Freddie. Blah 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 blah." Mm-hmm. So he can really just never be Dickie. He has to be Tom, but he has to be like essentially a nobody because, um, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's character is obviously never going to talk to him because right. she thinks he married he married he murdered dicky exactly you know and the father's just like here i'll just give you like some of my son's inheritance which is like what the fuck yeah exactly um yeah man you know what i remember you did mention the soundtrack i, I kind of want to check out the soundtrack because it's, oh, yeah, it's all jazz it's all jazz love that jazz yeah. <laughs> as that kid outside is just screaming like yeah i like jazz too <laughs> <laughs> um it's all ass this time what does it hold up yes i i think it still holds up um it's interesting seeing matt damon really young like before he just became like jason Bourne. i think i don't think he was jason Bourne at this time Mm-mm. um jude law before he became more of an asshole and gwyneth paltrow before she started making candles about her vagina <laughs> yeah, you know, so, yeah. Um, but I, I, I still think it holds up. I would, I would honestly not mind rewatching it again, um, and trying to like really pick apart like the times where like the wheels start turning for Tom or when he starts like putting his plan together and stuff like that. Yeah. Kind of like, oh, this is the moment where he snapped, or this is the moment where he really fell in love with Dickie and stuff like that. So I think yeah. it's like a great examination of like someone who. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> I feel like I've never been attracted to Matt Damon. Mm. He's a very plain face to me. He has that, what'd, what'd you say about his face? Like he has a very squished face or something? It's squished, yeah. Like his face is smaller. Like his face is smaller than his head. <laughs> yeah, very tiny. So what do you think? As a person who viewed this movie for the first time, what do you think about it? I liked it. All right. Yeah, and I think it holds up. All right. Yeah. Um... Go ahead. What? Ask me. What do you want me to ask you? Which movie did it better? I feel like I already know the answer. Which one? Surely. Well, this is the end of our friendship. I'm too predictable. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were like, you were really, you were really blown away by Shirley. I was. You were really blown away like by the performance and like how the story progressed and everything. You were like all into it. Yes. Um. And you know a story is good when I keep looking at you. Yeah. Because, like, I feel like I looked at you a lot when um, Shirley was on uh, because I wanted to see your reactions yeah. and, like, to see if you were as into it as I was. Oh, okay. And that's why I like watching movies with people and not mm-hmm. by myself because I like knowing if someone really enjoys it like I do. Yeah. And with um, with the talented Mr. Ripley, mm-hmm. I wasn't really, like... Yeah, I know you weren't really into it. I, no, no, I was into it, but I wasn't like so into it that I wanted to know that you were too. Yeah, I felt like um, I felt like I I felt more invested into it than you were. I mean, you were invested, but I think I was just maybe like ten points ahead of you. Mm. Um, and that's because it, there was that 
there was more of a suspense thriller. Oh, I got a, a better sense of the suspense thriller of it. So it was there were times where I was like, <gasps> like holy, like shocked and everything. While Shirley was more like, all right, let me just see where this goes. Yeah, you know, there was really no shocking moments because you can kind of see stuff building up. Um, but in Shirley, that ending, you're just it, it's a it's a th- here's the thing. Shirley is a thinker. And yeah. I like a movie that is a thinker at the end. Like, it really opens up for interpretation. They're, ambiguous endings are good if they work out well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, I'm kind of a sucker for that. Um, so that being said, um, you know, I, I do think Talon Mr. Ribley still holds up. Damn, which one's better? Okay. I think Talon Mr. Ribley is more entertaining. If I want to turn my brain off just a little bit, mm. um, but if I really want to like really study something like a character or character development, I think I would go with Shirley. Yeah. So I like I can't like they they are kind of the same. Like Shirley is about manipulating people, and the timeline Mr. Ripley is more about manipulating situation for your benefit. Yeah. And how to get away, such <laughs> how to get with murder. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't know. I think because. I, I do. I will tell you this. After rewatching the, the talent of Mr. Ripley, I kind of do. I kind of want to read the book. So there's like four of them. Yeah. And I want to see what this character goes. But I'm not gonna take the time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you never finished it that you bought like five years ago. <sighs> Yo, Stephen King. Fuck it. End the book already, man. <laughs> I feel like he's typing it now. <laughs> so, yeah. Like if, for my take, if you. Okay, wait, how about this? I'll ask you this, because um, I'm kind of going back and forth. Which one would you recommend more? Shirley. Shirley? Mm-hmm. Okay, you recommend Shirley more. I think it depends on your mood. I, I kind of feel like the talented Mr. Ripley is mm-hmm. like, yeah, if you want to turn your brain off, but mm-hmm. it has a slower pacing, mm-hmm. whereas Shirley is, it keeps your, like, your, it's not like, thrilling in the sense that like oh who's gonna get killed but it's like mm. it kind of keeps your um like it keeps you on the edge of your seat yeah and, like yeah. emotionally and like like the, you know thinking about it mm. um so that's why i would recommend that one more because i feel like it's more that one's more entertaining than mm, okay than the talented mr ripley gotcha okay that it we all good for Talented Mr. Ripley? Yes. All right. So that's going to be it for our show for this week. We want to thank all of y'all for joining us on this deep dive to some pretty fucked up people. The cat went. (laughs) He's like, Um, you can find all our podcasts on all podcasts. Uh, all our, sorry, past episodes on all podcast catchers, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podbean, Google, all that stuff. All that jazz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one thing Talon and Mr. Ripley wanted me to do, I wanted to go to Italy. Oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> um, okay, so for next week's show, this is going to be this is gonna be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. All right, so next week's show, we are going to review Netflix's um, Nobody Knows I'm Here. Um, it will drop. the Actually, the movie's going to drop by the time you are listening to this episode supposed to be dropping on the 24th um that one's really going to be interesting and our geriatric cinematic is going to be bad education not the hugh jackman film uh we're going to be doing the 2004 spanish import by uh pedro uh Almodo- 
Devor. Uh, you can rent that on Amazon. It's iTunes. Almodovar. There, Almodovar. <laughs> this white woman telling me how to speak Spanish. I suck. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you can rent that movie on um, Amazon, iTunes, and YouTube. Uh, it's on Voodoo and all the other kind of stuff. Um, so, please join us for that episode because I think, I feel like. You're going to join us too, Patches? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's going to be a really good discussion between Kelsey and I like we had this week's episode. Yeah. Uh, so the topic of that episode is going to be self-identity through a fucked up prism. Yes. Because <laughs> those movies look jacked up. So I want to bid you guys adieu. We hope everybody is safe. Wash your damn hands. Uh, wear your mask. Um, record every time you are being pulled over by the cops please siri can help you siri, oh yeah there i read that i think it was on uh ifl.com oh iflscience.com um it was like an app or something like that. you can tell siri to like record your yeah you yeah. can tell siri i'm being pulled over and then yeah. it'll um so yeah anyway like i said we want to bid you guys to do uh, but i want to leave you guys off with a very interesting story that happened to me um in my youthful days so i was at this party with this really cute girl i've been drinking i've been smoking having a good time and everything like that and she called me into uh she wanted me to go into a room with her privately figured oh cool we're gonna make out this is it we're gonna do it so we're getting kind of really get into each other and going for the kiss and i had this weird feeling thought it was butterflies, but it was um, everything I drank and ate that was coming right back up. <laughs> so I proceeded to throw up on her, which was really bad, really embarrassing. But when I threw up on her, the words that came out of me, uh, well, the first thought was of Tom Ripley, played by Matt Damon. He had this really interesting line that fit perfect for that situation. That's the first thing that came to mind. If I could... Just go back. If I could rub everything out, starting with myself. <laughs> <laughs>